Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Happy Year. Happy 2017. We are back. We, in case you uh, were confused, are Mark and Sarah. And this is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, the only podcast where my co-host Mark Blankenship and I, Sarah D. Bunting, talk about songs. Hello, Mark. Hello, Sarah. And you know what? It is a wonderful new year because... Uh, For those of you who don't know, we tend to record these episodes in batches, and so sometimes we'll release the episodes, and then we'll just have to sit back and watch as certain things happen to them, and then it'll be a while before we can come back and comment uh, on what has happened on air. But I think that now, Sarah, if you agree with me, might be a good time to comment on what happened since the last time we sat down. Uh, It would be a a wonderful time. Uh, Santa Holmes, uh, Linda Holmes of Pop Culture Happy Hour of the NPR System of Podcasts, gave us a little hat tip in a recent episode, their end of the year episode, and what was making her happy this week was our Christmas episode. So not only did we welcome a number of new listeners to the Mastass Fold, but my... I'm sure rather tiresome nagging of you, the listener, to give us a good review on iTunes and download it and tell a friend worked because our podcast peaked at number five Five. on the iTunes music charts. And I believe the Christmas episode, where did we end up? 20? The highest I saw was 22 because you can bet your sweet bippy that I was refreshing those rankings because as anyone who has listened to this podcast for more than 15 seconds might have guessed, being involved personally with a music chart and watching myself go up that chart made me lose my mind. And I was with my husband's family in Michigan as all this was going down, and I just kept running up and refreshing and then hollering out the number that we were at, and it was... Amazing. And then I started to understand why people get really excited about sports, I guess, because I felt like I was in some sort of sporting event. Is this metaphor working? I don't know. The point is, it was thrilling. So I cannot thank Linda enough, and I cannot thank you guys enough. And I also want to add that the week before that, we were also delighted to see that our Immaculate Collection album also seemed to strike a chord because we noticed a lot of people listening to that. It seemed like maybe a lot of new people joined us for that as well. So the the back-to-back uh, embrace that was given to the Immaculate Collection episode and the Christmas songs episode made me, and I will speak for you here, Sarah, and you feel fantastic. And we welcome you all, and we thank you so, so much for being with us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. And uh, thank you, Mark and Mark's husband's family, for the Lohauer Rose Air Blooming Auf Deutsch voicemail that I received. It was one of my favorite gifts of the season. Oh, my gosh. So, well, I will tell great. you that my husband's family and I, uh, their longstanding tradition, which I've been uh, fortunate enough to get to join, is that on Christmas Eve, everyone gathers around the piano and sings through this large book of carols. And when they are... Uh, originally written in a language other than English, we sing them both in English and then in their original language. So that was one of the German carols that we sang, and I just felt like you needed to hear it because another part of the tradition is leaving voicemails for loved ones to let them be sung too. And I thought, well, Sarah has to be part of this. And yeah, I will not be deleting that one. That one will be living in the cloud of my heart. Anyway, enough about Christmas. Welcome, new listeners. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us, old listeners. We're super excited to get started with 2017, episode 39. We're so excited, in fact, that you might say it's criminal. Might you agree, Mark? 
So, in case that clue wasn't uh, direct enough for you, we are going to be discussing the song Criminal by the one and only 90s goth goddess Fiona Apple, emo empress, some sort of alliterative thing that lets you know about her heavy feelings and her gorgeous uh, expression of such, or what have you. But before we do that, we do want to take one last moment just to say a special message for a project that we both love and a person that we both love. So we'll be right back uh, to start our conversation about Fiona Apple's Criminal. But first, this. As we approach the 2017 inauguration, it's more important than ever to support independent film and projects that bring attention to environmental disasters, potential and actual, around the country. What Lies Upstream, directed by Terms and Conditions May Apply's Cullen Hoback, investigates the recent drinking water contamination in West Virginia. How did an unknown chemical get into the water supply? How did regulation fail so spectacularly? And what's next for the affected families and the rest of us? Why do I mention this? Two reasons. First, What Lies Upstream is set for a world premiere at Slamdance in just two weeks. It needs some help on Kickstarter for post-production. Everything from sound mixing to publicity. You can help out by heading to Kickstarter and searching for What Lies. The second reason is the film's producer, my great good friend, Jim Rummy soulmate, and pinch hit co-host of this very podcast, John Ramos. It's his birthday today, and he'd love not to have to sell paperbacks on Half.com to get this film's post-production sorted out. Happy birthday, Juanito, from Mark, Sarah, and all the bands he used to listen to in high school. All right. Well, happy birthday, John. And we are looking forward to following all your tweets from Slamdance about the film. Uh, so, criminal. Yes. So, I yeah. don't know where to begin, so I really hope you do. Okay. I, I, um, I don't know why I had this inspiration to talk about this song, but there was I hadn't even thought about this song in a long time, but something hit me while I was traveling over the holidays that I thought, oh my God, we've got to, we've got to holler about this. And there are so many ways that this song is very interesting to me, Sarah, as you suggested, it's hard to know where to start. However, one of the places I would love to start is with a sample of the song. How about that? <laughs> Works so, for me. Let's, let's hear a clip now. Let me know the I am reminded of when I listen to even this sample and I find my booty pop popping and shake, shake, shaking, is that this song manages simultaneously to be incredibly catchy and accessible, 
but also incredibly idiosyncratic and individual. And I feel like it's an example of an artist who is decidedly non-mainstream, if you want to get down to it, managing to release that one song that somehow fits into what mainstream radio and MTV and whatever were looking for at the time. So that they managed to have this one huge hit that then allowed them to, in a way, have a high-profile career for the rest of time. I feel like uh, Kate Bush is another one, because Running Up That Hill randomly was a hit song, and then uh-huh. uh, we still know who Kate Bush is. Or like Suzanne Vega with Luca, and then the remix of Tom's Diner. She is not a mainstream artist, really, but she had those hits, and so she broke through. And to me, I find that songs like Criminal, when they become hits, are so refreshing, and they sort of invite a, a little bit of hope for the future spirits and minds of America because this song has in its in some ways the most obvious theme of all time which is it's a theme about a relationship gone wrong but the lyrics are so specific and so interesting and i think more importantly the lyrics are about a woman lamenting her ability to hurt a man and really there are not that many songs broken heart songs that are about the woman's power to hurt the man. We hear tons and tons of songs. Jolene, of course, first among all others, about how a woman can be hurt by a woman or a woman can be hurt by a man. You know, there's just an endless array of those things. But a woman exercising her own power and then also feeling rueful about it is such a mature, complex subject for a pop song. And I think that her lyrics, too, are so deceptively simple. Um, The very first lines of the song, which we don't hear in this sample, uh, I've been a bad, bad girl. I've been careless with a delicate man. And it's a sad, sad world when a girl will break a boy just because she can. Those are some hot-ass rhymes. Those rhymes are very good. They're very strong, but they're very easy to understand and grasp onto. So you get this elegance of construction it doesn't strain it scans beautifully and it tells you so much about what you're listening to and then on top of all that you get this music underneath that is equally accessible yet very complex if you listen to it closely the amount of instruments that are in the song there's a flute solo happening at one point the 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 percussion line the drum line is so hot and so sexy and appealing, but it doesn't have that manufactured sound that has dominated pop music since this song was originally released in the late 90s. And I feel like it is a song that sounds somehow incredibly familiar and accessible, but doesn't sound like something that you just heard five minutes ago. It clearly is rooted in blues and rock traditions, but has a slink and a piano-based thump all its own. And to me, it's really awesome that a song like this broke through and remains as listenable today, to me at least, as it did back then. So, Sarah, I wonder how you feel about the quality of the song as a song. And we'll get to Fiona Apple, I guess, as a performer artist personality later. But just this song, I wonder if it does anything for you. Um, well, I'm not sure that you could separate those two things. Um, fair enough, fair enough. The bulk of my notes after listening to this a couple of times, first of all, it's interesting that you're talking about the sort of time and time out of timeness of the song, because I did find that it was like, it's hard to believe that we have known who she is for like 20 years now. Yeah. 
But this song sounds like it sounds very of its time, like having not rewatched the video. Um, I can still picture exactly what either she actually was wearing because the video was everywhere or mm -hmm. what she would have been wearing, which would have been like a square neck tank top because 90s. <laughs> but then there was also that you can identify when the song is from, but it's not dated. And right. I would compare that sound or just the sound of this song, not Fiona generally, to um, Jamiroquai, who had that single a few years earlier. Virtual Insanity. Um, Yes, which yes. I like. That one is much more, I think, uh, produced and curated, but it's still like it's perfectly of its time, and it's still got that like R and B sort of top note. Like it's kind of um, it's like how at a franchise fast food place, like you're sent all the you're sent all the bags, and like there's labels and an order. It, to prepare like a Mrs. Fields cookie or McDonald's <laughs> French fries, but yes. they're still delicious, even though there's absolutely no like genuine creativity <laughs> yes. in what's going on. Um, I just compared uh, Jamiroquai to a Mrs. Fields cookie. We're we're way out of a skinny limb already, and it is. Well, as if we record this the second day of the year, um, if I may, song, actually, it reminds me of something I have do. said before, which is that. We sometimes will say that a song or a television show or any other cultural product is cookie cutter. And then I always think, well, yeah, but cookie cutters make cookies and cookies are good. And like shapes are good. Rules <laughs> control the fun. Yes, that's damn like, right. Like, do you just want some like amorphous paramecium blob cookie or do you want it to be round? I like round. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, um, the song Qua Song is like just listening to it. I'm not as much of a fan of the lyrics as you are um they they seem to be straining a little bit to me mm. but that goes back to what i said before and what i think we might want to talk about a little as the episode continues about separating oh we're about to get into another food metaphor here but it's like a um mint, like a mint bar like a seven layer <laughs> cookie that like you can't separate Fiona's like the output from the way that we may have received artists like her, like Natalie Merchant, like Alanis Morissette at right. that time, which was maybe to have this like discomfort almost with the uh, creative ambition of what was going on. Yes. Like, I think that definitely with. With Alanis, you could see some responses to her that were just pure sexism. Yes. And were not responding to her ability. And I think that's also been true with Fiona. Not that Fiona, as Fiona, like as a whatever Friday night hang, would necessarily be my thing. But Fiona as Fiona Apple artist, I I think she just got like it all got swirled together in a way mm -hmm. that um, happens to, I think, all artists, but particularly women. Yes. And particularly if they're singing about, like, taking agency in the destruction of a relationship, like, that can be, I think, a very high wire yes. to try to get across. And so I try to check my own 
like knee jerk, fucking Fiona, so pretentious, like whatever album title that was, it was like a full paragraph. Yeah, well, she's had two now super long album titles. The first one was the When the Pawn, and then her fourth album was The Idler Wheel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, blah, 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 like jumped over the crazy dog. Okay. (laughs) Yes. That's fine. But I think it is worthwhile to just completely put that aside and just be able to listen to you don't hear a voice like hers like ever yeah in in pop you definitely don't okay now if i may yeah sorry coffee and and uh milk uh alto that she has Mm -hmm. that's like it's very beautiful and direct and she's not doing that like idol audition power singing thing like mm-hmm. this is a storyteller so as much as i think that this particular story is not an a plus for me uh i am glad that i got to come back to this song which i wouldn't have otherwise because it made me think like this you know i think there might have been some sophomoric stops and starts for her as a personality that obscured the fact that her delivery is very good and very direct and uh, unique. There's no one else like her, which might be a good thing, but you know, so thanks. I, I was interested to come back to this song and thought I would think that it was um, maybe a little annoying and hadn't held up, but it wasn't. And it did. Well, and see, I feel like that what I was going to say before when I was rudely interrupting you, uh, sorry about that, was that <laughs> I just talked over you. It's fine, boo. <laughs> but what I think sorry. is sorry. What I think is so correct about what you're saying, or at least what I agree with so much, is this idea that now that we're far removed from Fiona Apple, who was I think maybe 20 when all this was happening to her. That's the other thing that it's like. I'm just going to interject that I think a lot of my response to her was about my projecting my own discomfort with my own pretensions. Right. So I think what happened was we had in front of us with Fiona Apple a very, very smart, exceedingly talented and uniquely creative artist who was probably to her own surprise thrust into the MTV level of fame. And mm-hmm. I think that she was struggling to understand how to deal with that and not lose her own sense of her artistic integrity. And because she was so young, it did come across as super pretentious. And it was pretentious because I, like you, also was very pretentious then. I mean, I don't know. I think I've talked before about the way that I used to read my own poetry aloud to myself. And just every word was hit the way that I wanted the beauty to sound. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Fiona Apple was that pretentious but very, very talented person who just happened to be on a national stage. I also do think, though, that you're right that because she was a woman, a lot of extra hate got thrown at her. Um, Because, you know, around this time, uh, God knows, Billy Corgan and Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain were making all kinds of loud, angry 20-something noise about how fame was a bullshit machine and nobody should believe in it. And they were all just be getting... They were all being really pretentious, too. But because... And Michael Stipe just, like... Yes. Weighing 115 pounds and being curled up on, you know, half a chair looking woebegone. Yes. Okay. But all of those 
white dudes or just dudes. I, I think there were, I mean, certainly also you have someone like KRS-One or like whatever. There are tons of pretentious dudes who got lionized because of their pretension. But then Fiona Apple gets a whole bunch of crap. I mean, and I, I, I'm specifically remembering when she won the Best New Artist Award at the Video Music Awards for this video. Oh, dear. Well. And she got up and made that truly... I actually rewatched that speech this morning, and it's not as terrible as you might think. It's just a little bit less articulate than I think she wanted. What she was trying okay, to say... On a, on a scale of one to Lily Sobieski, <laughs> after 9-11, do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes. I, I, see, I would say it's certainly only a three. So what, okay. what she was trying to do in her earnest but not super articulate way was just say, hey, this whole... She said the, the famous quote was, this world is bullshit. But what she meant was this world of fame and celebrity worship and pop star worship and all of that. And like, whatever, there always is the inborn hypocrisy of someone whose video is on MTV and they're accepting an award, then spitting in the face of that. Just like when Pearl Jam refused to make videos anymore or whatever. You always have to just be like, okay. But as I Call recall- Marlon Brando sending a- <laughs> Sasheen or whatever. Yes. Sasheen Littlefeather, who was not actually Native American. Like, there's always one of those fuckers. And, or, <laughs> just yeah. like, and look like, at yourselves. Like- no, that's not what tonight is about. Or like the Back actors, the actors who were in my grad school, who when they were uh, in a show, they would just list for their bio, so and so is an actor in the Yale School of Drama, and they wouldn't list anything else in their bio. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, you proved your point. You're pure. Everybody else is a fame whore, but you're pure, except that what you're doing is calling so much attention to yourself that you've completely become a hypocrite. So, yes, yeah. there was some also, of that there. Also, you did want that law and order. You just didn't get it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, boo. Esther Payton Murkison didn't even send you flowers because she don't care, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should she. Oh, but uh. listen, if you're listening, Apetha, and you want to send us flowers, we would – create a music video around them that's how much we honor and cherish you anyway or just a song suggestion <laughs> seriously that too any song you suggest to Petha will do it but the point being i think that because she was a young woman she got heaped with a lot of extra stuff and frankly because i did rewatch the video today you if you are just thinking of the video and haven't seen it in a while yes it does seem like it is a low budget 70s porn being shot in a wood paneled basement and Fiona Apple is wearing, most of the time, panties and uh, knee-high socks and a little flirty top. Or she's naked and covering her boobs and she's in a bathtub rubbing on some stranger's legs. So she also was inviting claims of hypocrisy because she had made such a cheesecake video. But again, if uh, when D'Angelo made the video where he was naked the whole time and then came out a few years later and was like, celebrity is bullshit, I don't recall anyone getting quite as furious. The point being, though... Well, I'm, yeah, that D'Angelo then could be like, well, it's it was about the vulnerability of my art. Blah. But then if if a woman with, like, super long hair who looks like she goes to the Ren Fair says something like that, everyone's just like, you know, pipe down, little girl. Exactly. Be, be more grateful. So, and, like, yeah. and it is complicated, right? Because, obviously, Fiona Apple, at the, at the, in her very – this is from her first album. She probably didn't have the uh, – the professional agency to refuse to be in a video like that. But at the same time, she was in a video like that. So catching a young person at the, at the moment when they discover that they don't know exactly how they feel about the system that they're in is always going to be awkward. But I'm glad now that we are 20 years away from that, 
that we can maybe just hear again criminal for what it is. And I want to actually talk a little bit more about Fiona Apple's overall musicality and her growth since that first album. But first, I'd like to kick it to myself for another special segment on this episode. All right, everyone, let's take a break from Fiona Apple and turn our attention to some pop chart astrology. And those of you who have been longtime listeners will know that this is the moment when I predict someone's destiny based on the song that was number one the day that they were born. Today's reading goes out to Amanda, and it is sponsored by her brother, Rich. And Amanda was born on December 29th, so happy belated birthday, 1976. And girl, I can tell you that that means the number one song the day you were born was Tonight's the Night, Gonna Be Alright by Rod Stewart. Let's listen to a sample. My virgin child, just let your inhibitions run wild. The secret is about to unfold Upstairs before the night's too old Tonight's the night It's gonna be So the first interesting thing to know about this song is that it was inspired, of all things, by the song Today's the Day by America. Uh, America, of course, one of the most white bread bands of the 70s, not quite as white bread as bread, but still pretty white bread. And when Rod Stewart heard the song, he apparently had the idea for Tonight's the Night. However, Today's the Day is a fairly generic, up-with-people, motivational song not unlike Natasha Bedingfield's uh, Unwritten, although maybe with a touch more romance, while Tonight's the Night, as I'm sure you heard from that clip, is a very sexual, very suggestive song about a man who is trying to bone. And there was some controversy in the uh, 70s when this song was originally released because it was perceived that the song was about him trying to sleep with an underage girl. He does refer to her at one point as my virgin child. In the music video, there's a moment where he offers her wine and then takes it away as though maybe she's not old enough to drink. But that's not our purpose here today, uh, to decide whether or not he was being grody. Uh, The point is simply, Amanda, that you should note that the song caused controversy while it was popular. But it was also the number one song for its entire chart year. Uh, technically called the number one song of 1977, although it was released in 76. The details for that are boring, but the point is, for its chart year, it was the number one song of the whole 12 months. And then in the 90s, when Janet Jackson released her Velvet Rope album, she did a cover of this song in which she seduces both a man and a woman, adding a bisexual menage a trois edginess to a song that was already known for being edgy in its day. And I feel that all of this reflects on your life as follows. And this can refer to your personal or professional life. It's really up to you to decide that's uh, your part of this uh, process. But some element of your success is in some way going to be defined by your ability to look at something fairly innocuous or fairly accepted and see its potential to become something vastly different and more meaningful in the same way that uh, an innocuous song by America can then become this sexy hit. And when you make those changes, whether that's to a relationship or a working 
method or whatever, there's probably going to be a little pushback. You're going to ruffle a few feathers, just like this song itself was controversial, but you don't need to worry about that. Stick with your guns, follow your gut, trust that you know that the potential that you've spotted to change something is real. And know, too, that whatever you do will probably end up inspiring someone else in some way, much like Janet Jackson was inspired to do her own take on the song. So, Amanda, that is your reading, and happy birthday. And for the rest of you, if you would like to request a reading, then just give us an e- send us an email to talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. We'll write you back with our rates, our schedule, and get your reading on the air very soon. So, Sarah, the other thing I was thinking about is, uh, if you'll allow me to make an extended metaphor that I cooked up while I was running on the treadmill this morning. Oh, yes, go ahead, obviously. (laughs) I just want to just... I'm sorry, were you under the impression that I would be like, no? (laughs) If you were like, no, Mark and Sarah are through talking about anything, click. (laughs) And you actually make make the click sound because we're online, but whatever. (laughs) Oh, God, totally. Ah, Because because I have ever been able to make a metaphor that was not either extended or about dessert. Please, no need to ask permission. So I was thinking about the fact that there are some artists who, of course, never break out of the machine-like pop mold, and we can still find ways to love them. Uh, Carrie Underwood, I'm looking squarely at you. But then there are artists who seem to vacillate between pop product and more idiosyncratic musical product, the things that don't feel quite as machine-tooled, that don't feel quite as focus-grouped or perfect for the radio. And some artists like Pink, I would say, tend to live in a really interesting place where they mostly make radio-friendly music that has that undercurrent of edge, and then sometimes they'll release a side project called You and Me, and that's completely idiosyncratic. So there are artists like Pink who are mostly mainstream, but they've always got that little edginess underneath them. But then there are artists like Fiona Apple who are sort of mainstream and then go completely crazy. And I was thinking, though, about how not only is Fiona Apple one of those artists, but she's also an artist who, miraculously enough, had her lone hit not sound like a completely foreign object when compared next to the rest of her music. Like, I think about right. how Joan Osborne's What If God Was One Of Us, to me, is the best example of a person whose soul hit, whose soul hit sounds nothing like the rest of their catalog, right? Right. But oh, I w- yeah, that's so true. But I was thinking about how Fiona Apple... You can hear even in Criminal the seeds for what she became as an artist, which is a decidedly uncommercial, but to my ear, incredibly interesting, almost cabaret artist in a weird way. Like, definitely her songs still have rock and blues influences in them, but she has fully embraced... But there's also this, like, Rosemary Clooney thing happening. Yes, there's this, like, there is, there's this, like... totally. And her sister... um, Maud Maggart, I think is her name, actually is a cabaret star. Fiona Apple's sister is a cabaret star here in New York. So clearly there's like some sort of, I just think of old ladies in spangly tops in front of a piano and there's a like really expensive cover charge. <laughs> they're, they're always singing like the clang, clang, clang with the trolley or whatever. There's something of mm-hmm. that. In, so I think it's really interesting to think about where her music has gone. And uh, as an example, I would just love to play a little snippet of the title song from her third album, Extraordinary Machine. I certainly haven't been shopping for any new shoes. 
And Sarah, I'm wondering, did you know this song before I had this clip inserted into the show? Uh, no, I'm one of those people who knows the Fiona like video hits, and uh -huh. that's about it. So what did you think about this song when you listened to it? Um, I only got as far as uh, the clip. Here's how this works, listeners. little um, uh -oh. peek behind the curtain. We uh, basically trade, like we find the songs and then we trade clips. And it's like, this is the segment that I want us to listen to on the podcast. And then uh, your editor, Sarah D. Bunting, cuts the clip down and whatever. We don't have to get that granular. But the clip for this song that we just heard is the beginning. It's the first 20, 22 seconds. And once I had prepared the clip, I was done with the song. Okay, fair enough. I just it, it was going it was going to put me off in a way that I felt was not helpful to discussing criminal. Yes. Like it's just one of those like I respect that you're doing this and trying it and eh, it's not for me. So Well, fair enough. My but my point in I only got it, yeah. 20 seconds in, so maybe there was like some fantastic horn break in the middle that <laughs> I missed cuz I'm a judgmental jerk. Is that the case? Well, I, actually, the reason I included that song is that it's, to me, one of the strongest examples of how out there her music has become. But if you, I would encourage you, even if that song is not for you, to dig around in her two most recent albums because there's just a lot of really cool stuff happening on there. Some of it very straightforward, some of it a little more loopy, but all of it fairly disciplined, which you know I love. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, that brings me back to this again, that I'm just so glad that even though she was thrust into a spotlight that shone rather harshly on her, and even though her first breakthrough music video presented a persona that's not in any way in keeping with who she is, that Fiona Apple was able to stay in the game and keep making music, and I'm glad that Criminal in some way facilitated that, because it's still a great song, but I think it has also afforded her the opportunity to make lots of other great songs that are recognized in a larger way. And, uh... That's my thought about that. And she wasn't totally derailed by what became this barrage of like, <laughs> shut up, sophomore <laughs> publicity. Yes. Um, speaking of cool stuff, um, there is going to be some cool stuff coming up on Mass this month. Oh, yes. Uh, Mark, would you like to talk a little bit about what listeners have to look forward to in the next few weeks? Yes. So coming soon, we are going to be uh, examining an amazing folk country singer named Jason Isbell. It's going to be a slightly different approach for us because I'm going to be talking about Jason Isbell as an overall artist that I want people to uh, be aware of, but we're going to be looking at him through the lens of a couple of songs. And then Sarah has selected um, an entire soundtrack for us to talk about. And Sarah, do you want to give away what that soundtrack is now? Uh, maybe we should wait. All I can say Let's is... Wait. Let's I'll... just say it's a, it is a classic... Uh, there will be falsetto, there will be a disco ball, and I think you can probably put uh, the rest together after that. But before that, we will have a special guest, Nick Reinwald-Jones of uh, Previously.TV and Making the Sausage, and he'll be talking about... Well, let's just say that he'll be, he'll, be, he'll be talking about... Yes, we'll be, we'll be talking about early 90s boy band, uh, New Jack Swing... Uh, assemblage, another bad creation. Which, for those <laughs> of you, <laughs> for those of you who were there when they were popular, there's probably already some very specific memories coming to you now. 
But with that, Sarah, I say welcome to 2017, and I say Fiona Apple, welcome to being on rotation in my playlists again. Ah. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Today's theme song was written by Laura Barger and Jack Baldelli. Want to request a song or buy an ad? We'd love that. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. Hit us up on our Facebook page, which is mastass.podcast, or tweet at us at TalkSongs. We would also love to nab a top 100 ranking on the iTunes podcast music chart. So if you like the show, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a good review. It helps our numbers, and it makes us feel like we have a purpose in this cold, cruel world. <laughs> Till next time, this is Sarah. This is Mark. And this, and this is, Mark and, is Sarah Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Talk about songs. Good enough, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Mark Cackle. It's my favorite. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.